0: to our Sunday school hour. I invite you to stand as we sing hymn number 428. It came upon a midnight prayer. Hymn number 428.
1: to see for this afternoon. God was
0: honoring and glorify you in Jesus' name. Man, I think you may be seated unless you celebrate our birthday or an anniversary. you would like to pray.
1: good to be in the Lord's house today and to have each one of you here. A few things from the, bou- uh, the bulletin as we start, the uh, cantata uh, today at 2 o'clock I Invite you to come. That's what uh, all the decorations are about, and I know it would be a blessing to you uh, and just encourage you to be here with us. Uh, there will be a music recital at the church on December 14th, to Thursday night, 7 o'clock here at the church. And uh, many of those participating in it are church kids, and so just encourage you to come and be here for that. Gilson Christmas next Sunday uh, will be Gilson Christmas, and uh, we want to be a blessing uh, to that dear family. Uh, We have a uh, Christmas box, so a wrapped box out there, and um, you can put Walmart gift cards in it, or you make a check payable to Brother Dan, uh, just uh, cash, whatever you want to put in it. I know it would be a blessing to the Gilsons. And so if you can participate in that, that would be a uh, great uh, patch program next Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. And looking forward, uh, it's one of the highlights for me, seeing our children participate. And uh, always look forward to that. <clears throat> ladies, Christmas party uh, that following Monday, the 18th, at my house at 7 o'clock. And ladies, encourage you to come and uh, always have a good time. And then Christmas Eve service on the 24th and uh, we will have regular morning service that'll be sunday school morning service just like regular uh, church and then one o'clock will be the christmas eve service which we uh, scale that different we have a lot of special music we have a story time with the kids we have candlelight service and so encourage you to mark that down plan to be with us uh, christmas eve one o'clock for that service of course really you need to be here in the For the morning service, too, it would be a blessing and uh, just spend the day with the Lord. Um, From our prayer needs here, ask that you remember to pray for all these that are listed here. And then, if you would, uh, not listed, there's Deborah Benson. And uh, some of you know she had some issues with her knee, uh, ended up being transported uh, by ambulance to the hospital, and uh, they have uh, made some diagnosis uh, involving infection, bursitis, and uh, a torn meniscus. And uh, so uh, kind of lay there and wait for the doctors to make up their mind about what they're going to do. And so if you would, uh, pray for her as she goes through this. and she'd gotten to where she couldn't even walk, and so they had to transport her uh, by ambulance. And so uh, if you would, just remember to pray for her. Pray for wisdom uh, that would come uh, to the doctors that they might make the right decisions in helping her. So yesterday, my wife and I attended a funeral, and uh, I attend more funerals than I like, um, but uh, this one really spoke to me, and um, I uh, want to take just a minute, uh, the wife of the uh, young man that passed away, uh, he was like 63, 62, so he's a young man, okay? Okay the older I get, they're getting younger, okay? Um, She wrote uh, uh, kind of a diary of what happened that moment, and uh, I just kind of felt led to hit some highlights from it. I hope that uh, for the husband and wives that are in here, that uh, we realize the gift that God has given us in our mates, and that we treasure that gift greatly, and uh, so I just, I'm just going to, pick up and read this, and uh, you may say, well, it sounds like you're reading someone else's mail. Well, it really spoke to my heart, and I think if you allow it, it'll speak to yours. On November twenty second, 2023, unbeknownst to me, I woke up in the arms of my dear Joe for the very last time. It was a crisp morning in Oregon, a small rural community tucked into the hills with views of Mount Adams and Mount Hood from my daughter's home. We had planned to do a sunrise photo shoot, but Joe decided to put it off until evening, saying he thought it was too cold for his pampered princess, a name that he lovingly gave me, and I agreed with him. I knew he spoiled me. We prepared to pick up our son, Timothy, from the airport in Portland. We had to get on the road soon, since it would take almost two hours to get there, not including my request to stop and get donuts and coffee along the way. As we sat on the couch cuddling, Joe read the Bible to me, and then we chatted with my daughter before making our way out the door. We left her home a few minutes after 8 a.m. As we headed out of the driveway, we passed the mill where our son, uh, Zachariah, often works. Joe asked me what I was thinking, and uh, he could tell uh, when I had something on my mind, and I replied, I just remembered a message that Pastor preached a few weeks ago. Pastor said, no matter What you go through in life, all you need is the gospel. It was a random thought to share that morning, but we had a rule that if we asked each other what we thought, we could never say nothing, and we had to share our thoughts no matter how random they might be. I'm so grateful we had that rule. Little did I know that my random thought wasn't so random. Today, I'm confident it was thought brought to remembrance by the kindness of God, It is as if God said, Jeanette, I know what's up ahead. I want to remind you, no matter what happens in this world, all you need is more of the gospel. Joe agreed, and we continued down the road. It was such a beautiful day. The road was lined with trees and fall foliage drifted across the road as we drove and spoke of ordinary plans. Joe talked about taking his sons on a hike and helping his four-year-old grandson find some animal tracks. A deer caught Joe's attention, and he asked me to get a picture real quick. But I was too slow, and the deer ran into the woods. Joe teased me that I was too slow to be his paparazzi. But as we came around the corner, Joe spotted the deer back in the woods. Okay, get the picture now. Again, I clumsily made my way to my phone and was trying to get the phone that I thought uh, to get the photo that I thought he'd like. Hurry, Jeanette. What's taking you so long? We laughed. We're always so comfortable fussing with each other. I'm trying, Joseph. I'm trying. Well, you're holding up traffic now. we got to go. I looked behind me and saw a white car pulling up. Okay, just one more picture, then, then we can. Finally, the picture was taken. We continued down the road. My camera says the photo was taken at 8, 10 a.m. Soon, I saw a sign posted said, grouse hunting, I asked Joe what that was. He told me it was like a wild chicken, to which I told him that sounded horrid. I can only imagine how tough that would be. He replied, I don't know. I had friends who have done it, but I've never gone. Those were Joe's last words. We didn't see the tree. We didn't hear the tree. We didn't even feel the tree hit us. It must have knocked me out for at least a moment because I remember Waking up to hear my Joe expel the last air from his lungs. The sound startled me. Joe, I looked over. I could see my dear Joe had already entered heaven at 8.14 a.m. My heart sank and I whispered, oh my Joe. I realized his leg was still on the gas pedal and, he was carrying, and we were carrying the tree with us somehow. My head was bleeding, my back was broken. I realized that I had limited ability to move Yet there in the midst of all of it, there was so much peace. There was absolutely no fear, just peace. Peace that passes all understanding. They say we traveled about a quarter of a mile before stopping, which was about 17 seconds. But it felt like I had a half-hour conversation with God. I asked God to help us not to hit anyone else or hurt them too. I told him I wasn't afraid of dying. I didn't want to leave my children. They needed me. I told him I'm not trying to be a control freak. I know you can care for them better than I can. But please, Lord, don't let them lose us both today. I realized we were headed for a farmer's pasture and prayed that we wouldn't roll the car. As we came into the pasture, I could feel the car tip like it would fall on its side. So I tried and braced myself. But then it instantly stood right back up and came to a stop. I've been told the way that we were positioned, we should have rolled, and there was no reason we stopped there. They said it looked like someone had perfectly parked the car for us. I believe that was God's kindness. I knew I had to call 911, but I didn't know how I'd ever reached the phone or where it was. As I looked down, I saw my charger cord looped up between my knees and knew my phone was on the end of it and I was able to pull my phone up and call 911. I didn't know what happened to that white car behind us. I figured they must have turned the other way. It felt like forever before help arrived, but in reality, it was only a few moments until the first responders surrounded me. I tried my best to stay oriented, but I knew someone had to stop this bleeding and that was pulsing from the side of my head. It felt like I was riding on waves of consciousness. Quickly, others realized the urgency, too, and I was life to the nearest hospital and then on to Level 1 Trauma Center in Portland, Oregon. The following eight days in the hospital were filled with surgeries, pain, and complications, but they were also filled with kindness, love, and support. I could tell you a thousand stories of God's compassion and list multiple strangers who cried with me and laughed with me, strangers who paused to listen to the man that my Joe was, He was my hallmark. Without Jesus, my Joe was a jerk, just like I am. But with Jesus, Joe raised the bar for every man out there. There was no one like my Joe. Joe was (laughs) made everyday moments special. He'd greet me every morning with a smile and a kiss on my forehead and give me uh, my coffee in bed. Often he'd read the Bible to me and share his plans for the day. He loved to take me to work and wave to me as I walked in. He also would stay up late so he could pick me up and greet me with the door wide open, seat warmed, and a kiss. I'd run out to greet him, throw my arms around his neck, and kiss him as he swung me around. And then I'd shut the door behind me, and he'd take me home. It, was, it wasn't once in a while that he did this. Every day I worked, it was ordinary, and I savored every moment with my Joe. Some look for someone to blame for these situations. I've been that someone before. I'd be lying if I didn't feel like the accident was my fault because I was too slow with the camera. What if I'd been faster? We wouldn't have been there at that moment. But quickly, the voice of truth tells me, and I remember the sovereignty of God. It was God who ordained my Joe's days. He knew the exact second my Joe would breathe his last breath. Uh, breathe his last last breath, and nothing I would, did was going to change that. The last four and a half years hasn't been easy for my Joe. First the cancer, then a fall from a tree, and now this. The cancer changed my Joe, and uh, for the better. I remember asking, what happened to you? He always said, Jeanette, it was just the Lord. While the sickness and injuries were hard for us to walk through, we drew so close because of them. Joe often told me, Jeanette, whenever I die, promise me you won't be mad at God. Don't ask him why. Just go and love God more. I didn't want to think of that day to hear him talk about it. I'd often get upset with him and tell him to stop. It's not nice to talk about dying, and it didn't make me feel safe. Uh, He was so patient with me in those moments but he made me promise that i would do as he said and give the same message to each of his children i can see how god used the cancer to lead me back to school so i'd be able to provide for myself and i know that that was the kindness of god i see how the fall from the tree allowed us uh, allowed many of his children to hear daddy's heart towards them he knew that we were uh, we knew that we were loved and he wanted us to know know that That was a gift from God many never get. I see God's kindness. I'd often cry and step by Joe's side through the cancer and the fall, asking God, please not let my Joe suffer. I see God's kindness in taking Joe so quickly. We will miss my Joe beyond anyone's imaginations. He wasn't a holiday husband or a weekend dad. He was a son, a husband, and a father that was infused into every part of our lives. He was a friend. For the long haul, and a stranger to no one. He was a protector and a provider. He was a dreamer and a doer. He was my best friend. Joe was such a big part of my life, it can be overwhelming to think of tomorrow looks like without him there. But I have the hope that I will see him again, and in the meantime, I'll find my joy to do as he instructed. I will go love God more. Um And I was struck with this thought. I wonder what would be written about us by our spouse when we die. Would it be sweet, pleasant memories? Well, I hope that's what would be written about me with my wife. I hope that, you know, I've often told her, I said, I want to spoil her in such a way that no one could ever fill my shoes. You know, it's just kind of one of one of those things that I've felt about our relationship. And relationships start out, and they go along great for a while, and then it seems like every relationship hits troubles and problems, and it's how we handle and respond to those troubles and problems that make us stronger. And I hope and pray that you will have a marriage like Joe and Jeanette Wood did, that whenever the Lord would see to take one of the spouses home, that we realize that it's just a short time, we're going to see him again, but that we would greatly miss him because of the love that we had one for another. I'm going to have Brother Steve come back, Lisa least in another song. I don't mean to be a downer, but it was just such a blessing to me. I just wanted to share it with you. But
0: Stan, once again, we'll sing hymn number 433, Away in a Manger. <laughs> da disco But we're in lesson number five. If you still have that handout, you can pull that out. If you need one, we have a few extras. Brother Potts has those in the back. You'd raise your hand. and we will get that for you. And as you're waiting on that, you can be turning in your Bibles to Esther, chapter number
2: five as well. All right. For those of
0: you that this may be your first time here in this Uh, Sunday School class. We are studying a series on the book of Esther and understanding the providence of God and how He's working behind the scenes. Um, And He is the one that is in control of everything. And I'm thankful for that promise today. And I'm thankful that as we look at this world and the chaos that's going on around us, we know that there is a God who is in control. And even though we can't see it, we must understand and have faith that He is working behind the scenes Uh, Just as he did in the book of Esther and what a marvelous story this is and it's an encouragement to us as Christians uh, understanding uh, that we can trust God and that knowing he is always working for good, he's working for uh, what is best and we certainly see that play out here in Esther and and we start to see the culmination of the story begin here in chapter number 5. I'll read again for us the text beginning in verse number 1 of Esther chapter number 5. It says, now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his th- royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? It shall be even given thee to the half of the kingdom. And Esther answered, If it seem good unto thee, King, unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, that he may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? Even to the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then answered Esther and said, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them. And I will do tomorrow as the king has said. Then went Haman forth that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. And when he came home, he sent and called for his friends and Zeresh his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches, and the multitude of his children, and all the things wherein the king had promoted him, and now he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman said, Moreover, yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself, and tomorrow am I invited unto her also with the king." Yet all this availeth me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. We'll stop reading there for now. We'll pick it up here as we go through the lesson, but we see the story unfolding. We understand the history that's brought us to this point and how Haman's been promoted now, Uh, and he's uh, just next to the king and and ruling this this vast province, and he is... uh, He's taking that power, and it's gone to his head, and he's uh, is feeling very good about himself, but there's one man that is a thorn in his side, and that man being Mordecai, who would not bow to him, uh, who would not uh, succumb to to the things that he was asking, so he became very upset about this situation. And we know this, that uh, the decree has been made that the Jews would be killed on a certain day, and Esther has been asked by Mordecai to go before the king and petition him about what Haman has requested. So that's where we find ourselves in in chapter 5, and that's where she is now uh, spent some time petitioning the Lord what should be done. Now this is a very, very difficult situation she is facing. It's a life or death situation. Uh, Many of us have not faced a situation such as that, uh, but we face difficult times. And uh, oftentimes we don't know what to do. We don't understand how God would lead us through it, but what can we do? We can certainly go to the Lord and pray, understanding that He knows the way that is best and that He can guide us and direct us. So this is what she did, and we'll just briefly summarize what we've looked at here a few weeks ago as she begins to uh, prayerfully consider what she should do, how she should approach the king. And we see the petition that she brings after much prayer to the king, and she approaches him and and not only is she seeking the Lord in prayer and asking God what she should do, but she understands she has wisdom from God in some, how she should handle the situa- situation that she is facing. And she understands that she has to come before the king in a, in a, a humble way, and a way that she's deferring to him. Uh, we saw that she put on the royal apparel, that she's coming in the right way. And that just reminds me of how we should approach our King. We need to approach Him in the most humble way and come before Him with a submissive heart and come before Him in a way that is pleasing to Him. Now, see, that's not uh, considered today in a lot of Christendom. It's about how we want to approach God and about what we want to do, but it's not the way it should be. We should defer to Him and what pleases Him. So what is pleasing to God? Well, we can find out, and we won't get into it today, but we can find out from the Word of God what is pleasing to Him and how we should approach Him. And it comes from a humble and submissive heart to His Word and to, his, uh, to what He guides us in and His principles and His truths from the Word of God. So she understands how, who she is going to be approaching, the king, and she defers to him and she prepares herself to address him. Uh, we saw she put on the royal dress. She came before him in a calm demeanor. demeanor. Uh, so... As she comes before him, we see in our text that she is favored then. Now, this is the queen, and the king has not summoned her for 30 days, and he's reminded again of the beauty and how much he loves her, and quickly she finds favor of the king. So this is her petition to the king. She's coming before him. She went to the Lord in prayer. She deferred to him. She was favored. Now, what is she going to do? What is she going to ask for? Well, this is her plot then regarding Haman. She has a situation here that she must deal with and that, uh, that is really uh, the source of the problem. The source of the problem here is Haman. Haman is the one who hates the Jews and specifically he hates Mordecai and he wants to eradicate them. So how is she going to deal with this? Well, first of all, she requests a banquet. She's prepared a banquet, and she requests the king and Haman to come to this first banquet. We see that in verse number 4 of our text. Uh, but, you know, the king's asking, what is your petition? What, do, what, do you, what are you wanting? What are you asking for? And I'll give it to the, unto half of the kingdom. But she doesn't give the answer in the first banquet. But rather, in that first banquet, she asks that they would come and attend a second banquet. Now, as we read through this, we don't understand right off the bat what she is doing and the wisdom that God is giving her. Uh, But we do find that revealed later on as we see God working in His hand in all of this. So the first banquet uh, was not the right setting to give this request, but the second time was the right time. So Esther uh, did in the second banquet uh, she was able to tell the king her request, so that brings us to the point where God is going to do a work. So we have the first banquet, we have the second banquet, and the request is going to be made known. Uh, but you know, Haman here has has an issue that God's going to take and work it in such a way that I just love it. Uh, so we, we understand the hatred that, he had, that Haman had towards Mordecai and that he plans to kill Mordecai and as he's walking out of this banquet and he sees Mordecai and he's just once again infuriated by the lack of Mordecai's respect for him and his lack of honoring him. So this brings us up to where we left off. So Esther's petitioned the king and Esther then has a plot regarding Haman. She's Ask the Lord how she should handle the situation, and then she begins to carry out the wisdom of God in the situation. So now we see what God's plan is for the people. What God's plan is for the people. Let me get you up here. God's plan for the people. So we've seen Esther and those that she petitioned would pray with her. We see those prayers going up. We see the faith that they had and the obedience of Esther then, this young Jewish woman, Uh, as she's going to carry out the plan of God and she's going to see the power of the Almighty God on her behalf. Through all these events, God was working every detail for His honor and glory. He does the same thing for us today. He will work every detail of our life. And isn't it interesting to know that God is interested in every one of our lives and He wants to work and he, he is working. He is working in our life. But we need to be submissive to Him. We need to prayerfully consider what He would have for us and then submit ourselves to His way. So He is working every detail in this situation. Notice then how He began working on the King. So there are several characters in this story. And God has to affect the heart of every one of them. And He has to affect... Uh, the situation and, and move um, the chess pieces, if you will, uh, for everything to line up. So let's continue reading here in Esther chapter 6 as he begins to work on the king. So that same night that, of Esther's first banquet, the king found himself unable to sleep. He requested for the book of the records to be read to him. Maybe he found those records boring and it would put him to sleep. I don't know. But he requested the records to be read. Let's find it here in Esther chapter 6 and verse 1. On that night could not the king sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of the records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the king said, What honor and dignity hath... Been done to Mordecai for this. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him. So it's interesting. God's beginning to to call to remembrance uh, a situation that had taken place uh, where these two men plotted against the king to kill him. And Mordecai was the one that gave the information, he was the one who uh, told of their plot. And the king's remembering the situation here as it's being read to him, and he's asking the question, what did I do then to honor Mordecai for his bravery and, and for him stepping up in this situation? So the timing of Ahasuerus' sleeplessness was impeccable. It was perfect. It was just as God would plan it. And it was that very night that Haman was at home with his friends and his family plotting Mordecai's death. So at the very moment that something needed to happen, God was working, and God had a plan. So as the king listened to the Chronicles read, he heard the recounting of the incident with, with which his life was threatened, and he was reminded of the men who had uncovered and reported the, assassinated, the assassination plot. The man who did so was Mordecai. So suddenly the king wondered how Mordecai was honored for his heroism. After learning that nothing was done to honor Mordecai's bravery, the king determined at that moment, That something had to be done. We need to honor this man. He stepped up in great bravery. We need to honor him. From a human standpoint, this whole scenario may seem random and accidental, but from us who understand God and understand that he's working, he's the one that is directing this scene. And it was a good thing for Mordecai to not be recognized when initially revealed the plot, but now is the time for him to be recognized according to God's timing. Since he had not been recognized earlier, he was brought to the king's attention at the very time when his own life was in jeopardy. You see, a lot of times in our life we get impatient and we want God to work at that very moment that we need Him to, or that we feel we need Him to. But we must understand that God's timing is always perfect, and it was perfect in this situation. Mordecai may have thought that God had not seen or rewarded him for his good deed, but God sees everything. He sees all of our labor, and He sees all of the things that we've done in this life in His name, and know this, that He will reward it. Hebrews 6.10 says this, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward His name, and that ye have ministered to the saints, and do minister. So, doing good, doing right, doing those things which God has commanded us, They aren't unrecognized. God sees them, and God knows. So we see the king has a sleepless night, and he's reminded of Mordecai. So the king then inquires. By this time, it must have been early in the morning hours, perhaps just before dawn, and Haman has been at home plotting against Mordecai, while the king has been in his chambers wanting to honor Mordecai. (laughs) What a paradox here. Now the king hears someone in the outer court and inquires who it was. It was Haman, who had come to seek the king's permission to have Mordecai hanged. He didn't want to wait for the day that they had decreed for the Jews to be eradicated, but rather he wanted to kill Mordecai now. So let's continue reading in verse number 4 of chapter 6. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman was come unto the... Outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king and to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to do honor more than myself? And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought, which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let his apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of the one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man with all whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man." whom the king delighteth to honor. So the king and Haman's minds were completely different on this situation. They were on different wavelengths uh, when they came to this moment here in this this morning hours. Uh, The king was so obsessed uh, with his wrong, not having rewarded Mordecai, being made right, that he never even asked Haman what he was there for. The king just jumped into the question that was on his mind. And he asked, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? (laughs) Haman, in his pride and being as arrogant as he was, thought he was speaking of himself. To whom would the king delight to do honor more than myself? Haman then showcased his vanity through elaborate, even ridiculous suggestions. He's asking for everything. He, He wants it all. First of all, Haman said this man should be given royal apparel. Second, this man should ride the king's horse for others to see. Third, this man should wear the king's crown. Finally, he should have one of the king's most noble princes parade him through the streets, proclaiming, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. (laughs) All right, Haman's assignment. Haman's assignment. So after pouring his heart into these elaborate suggestions, Haman faced a devastating blow. Finding out who this honored man was. Let's continue reading verse number 10. Then the king said unto Haman, Make haste and take the apparel and the horse as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai. Now you can imagine his face at this moment. Do this to Mordecai the Jew that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Then took Haman the apparel and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and brought him on horseback through the street of the city and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. There's many stories I'd like to see in the Bible. This is one of them. I would love to have been there. The king essentially said, Haman, those are all great ideas. Wonderful thoughts you've given me. Go find Mordecai the Jew and do all for him today. So Haman entered the court planning to hang Mordecai. But he left that day, ordered to lead him in a parade. So through this story, uh, even though it's far from over, we are reminded from this scene that God was moving in intricate ways behind the scenes. God had a plan all along. And I'm thankful that Mordecai, Esther had faith to trust the Lord. To No matter what, now again, they're facing life or death situations and they're willing to trust the Lord. Today I would venture to say that we're not facing life or death situations, but we have decisions that we make every day. Are we trusting the Lord for them? Are we following Him? Are we submitting ourselves to Him and trusting Him to lead and to guide our path as He's already promised that He will do? So not not only did God see Mordecai's earlier honorable act in saving the king's life. He saw it, he recognized it, and he was going to honor it. But he saw Haman's pride and murderous intents as well. And God was beginning to bring Haman down. In 2 Samuel 22, verse 28, it says this, And the afflicted people thou wilt save, but thine eyes are upon the haughty, that thou mayest bring them down. And when we know this verse from Proverbs sixteen, eighteen pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before fall. So there's much to learn here from this story up to this point. We see the dangers and the effects of pride upon a life, and may we ever strive to keep it out of our lives as Christians. And then we see the importance, then, of having full confidence in the Lord, following Him, trusting Him in all things. So though Haman had boasted of how honored and respected he was by both king and queen to be invited to a banquet with just them, Haman's wife began to have reservations. Let's continue reading in verse 12. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hasted to his house, mourning and having his head covered. And Haman told Jeresh, his wife, and all his friends, everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise men, and Zeresh, his wife, unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. And while they were yet talking with him, came the king's chamberlains, and hasted to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. So Haman's own wife warned him that he would not prevail against Mordecai. And anyone that was paying attention to the Jews, they would understand that God was on their side. And God was always working in the lives and on behalf of the Jews. So she's recognizing this. Soon Haman would be heading to that second banquet. And it was that very evening. He'd been boasting about it before. But he is soon to be headed to that banquet. And One can't help but wonder how the events of the morning affected him as he was summoned to that second banquet. <laughs> see, He was riding high after that first one. But the events of the day have changed the situation. So in our next lesson, we will we'll see what happened at the banquet and how God brought deliverance then. But as we reflect now on what we have just studied in this lesson, there are a few important takeaways that we must consider. First of all, Esther's faith to pray brought God's favor. So in answer to Esther's fasting and prayer, God granted her favor before the king. God prepared the way. Our prayer makes a difference. God wants to hear our petitions. And prayer opens uh, the way for us forward. It opens the path. And God leads and guides and shows us the way forward through prayer. So God granted her favor before the king. and God gave her the wisdom to propose the two successive banquets. So Esther has faith to pray. Haman's pride brought God's wrath. Sometimes the enemies of God may think they are escaping his judgment, but God sees all and will execute justice in his perfect time. That's a, I'm thankful for a promise such as this, that God sees all, but he is the one that is the just judge, and he will righteously judge all men in his perfect time. Mordecai was spared then by God's grace. Mordecai was spared by God's grace. Now, Mordecai was on the hit list, <laughs> and he was top priority. And on the very night Haman planned Mordecai's destruction, God preserved his life. So I'm thankful here that we can trust in God's protection and His leading in our life. So no matter how dark your world may be, the rest in knowing this, that God sees, that He cares, And that He is at work. He's not forgotten you. You are seen and loved by God. In whatever situation you may be facing today, simply turn to God in prayer. And trust in His gracious heart toward you. And we know this, that God's got this. Whatever you're going through in life, trust in Him. Turn to Him. Take those things to Him in prayer see how god will lead and how he will guide just simply trust him follow him we have many many stories uh, through the bible where we can see god working and then we have our own testimonies and testimonies of others of how god is working still today and i'm thankful that we serve a god who has got this Heavenly father we're thankful today for your goodness to us we're thankful for the story of esther that encourages us And reminds us of the fact that you are in control and that you seek to work in our lives and that you are working. And I pray that we would trust in that fact. And Father, I pray that our faith would be renewed and that we would just follow you uh, no matter what circumstances arise in our life. Just trusting you and following you no matter what. Father, I pray that you would just encourage us in the Lord in these lessons. Draw us closer to you. I pray for the service to follow. Speak again to our hearts and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll meet right back in here at 1030.